We're losing! Teamwork, guys. More teamwork. They're burying us alive! Eddie Shore? Oh, piss on Eddie Shore. Old-time hockey? Piss on old-time hockey! You're blowing it! And now, between the stammers, your unofficial Canucks cast, here's Art and Caleb. Oh, it's still Sedin week. The Twins... Jerseys are in the rafters. Everyone that was really important during their run returned, even Trevor Linden. Canucks lose to Minnesota. Calgary beats Nash, or lost to Minnesota and Calgary. They beat Nashville and Chicago. Jacob Markstrom is a monster right now. Brock Besser is hurt. That's everything, really, that's happened since the last Between the Stammers. It's February 13th. Makes it sound like it's not that much. It's a fuck ton, right? Yeah. Uh Caleb Kirby here alongside myself, Art Aronson. Art, how are you? I'm a little tired. Yeah, you've been doing mornings. Yeah, we're going to get through this, though. Yeah, we got to power through. Yeah. So last night, as U2's Where the Streets Have No Name boomed inside Vancouver's Rogers Arena. And a lot of cold play. <laughs> and a lot of cold play. Daniel and Henrik Sedin walked to center ice to celebrate the Canucks retiring their numbers. The Twins, of course, hold every significant scoring record in Vancouver Canuck franchise history. Fans got to their feet to cheer the retirement of number 22 and number 33 and honor the players renowned for their work ethic and kindness. The Twins, of course, donated $1.5 million in 2010 to help build a new BC Children's Hospital. Their foundation is now partnering with Kids uh, Canucks for Kids Fund on a new legacy project that would be responsive to the community's needs on an annual basis basis what'd you think of the ceremony i thought it was unreal i thought it was great and you know what i'm I'm gonna just take it one step back going back to nashville night when they had like kind of canucks legends night yep and they unveiled those new banners for different generations like smeal in yellow that's cool. trevor linden in white looks really uh, good. beret in white nazi in the uh, orca ugly whatever bluish color that thing is mm-hmm. and then of course the two the two new banners up there on the same pole might i add the sedines it's a nice touch i really really like it um so i thought that was cool to to unveil that on the legends night and then to see the new banners go up w- last night and almost brought a tear to my eye really um really yeah yeah i thought that i thought that ceremony was so dialed man oh. um clocked in at just under an hour which a lot of those go a bit too long. I mean, I, I for me, I, I could have had more, but like I thought it was just the perfect amount of time. Here's, um, here's Caleb Kirby's uh, review of that ceremony. What an all-around classy, touching ceremony for Dank and Hank tonight. Great job to Francesco Accolini, the Canucks organization. Of course, the fans for making it special. It felt weirdly healing in a way at some points. What does that mean? Well, I'll tell you exactly what that means, man. Um... You know, like I've I've been there as a Canucks fan with this rebuild. You know, pretty much from from the beginning, and it's been painful. Like I think most Canucks fans will say it's been painful. There's people in this market who have just turned their backs on this team completely and are still kind of in almost in denial that there's you know like kind of light at the end of this tunnel. And I think it's partially because they don't want to get hurt again. Right. Like there's I, I got a friend who just like he's just like, man, like I don't even cheer for him anymore because like 20, 2011 just destroyed me. Right. Like it's just, it's just emotionally exhausting. And I kind of felt like last night really helped heal that 
for some people. It definitely did for me because it it brought me back to a time when the Canucks were the greatest, right? And honoring the Sedins for their greatness, honoring that whole run, seeing Luongo there, seeing Biaxa there, Kessler there, um, it just made me think of like how much I love these players when the Canucks were that team, right? When they were the world-beating team. And to be one game away, to get one game away from winning it, yeah, it sucks. But, like, I had no I, – I did not even think about the years after that with what had happened. You know, I didn't think about um, 2012 and the first-round exit to Los Angeles when I remember – I mean, yeah, to Los Angeles where I remember saying to myself, like, blow this team up, they're done, all that sort of stuff. I, I didn't even go there. I was just happy to remember – kind of the moment and everything else, you know, and not not the waiting, not the pain of the rebuild and everything. And, like, now I'm just ready. I'm ready for this new core, and I'm ready to move past all, like, this this kind of, like, hurt and, and pain that, you know, like a lot of Canucks fans have felt through this rebuild. You can see that we're getting there. And having guys like the Sedins reassure that to us, having guys like Bo, you know, talk about it, honoring them, honoring what being a Canuck stands for moving forward, seeing the fans cheer a guy like Ryan Kessler, like that guy thought he was going to get booed out of the building. Canucks fans were really classy about it. BX's speech was on point. I thought it was really funny. It was poignant. You can tell how much he loves everybody. His, his, his call outs to Burroughs in that I thought were fantastic. He you didn't know. write any of that. Hey, yeah, he just he's, he's like the Pat McAfee of the eight. The NHL. He's so he has talent. He's so good off the cuff. And even seeing like like I harbor uh ill will towards some of like the decisions that Canucks management has made. You know, seeing a guy like Mike Gillis even there, I'm like, you know what? He's there and he's honoring him. And I can't fault him for that. And I can't fault him for trying to make the team win when he wanted them to win. Because really they were one game away, right? So I it just I don't know. It just felt like like a cleansing in a way, and it felt so right for all these people to be together and for Canucks fans to be together honoring the two greatest Canucks to ever put on the uni. Hmm. That's interesting. That's an interesting take. I'm just I'm just so like I'm so glad that like now that it's all in the rear view and now that we've honored it in a way that we've honored it. We're ready to move forward, and when I remember the Sedins and when I remember guys like Burroughs, Kessler, Biaxa, I'm going to remember them all for their greatness, not for that period after. And, of course, the Sedins are so classy, right? Like, um, talking about all the coaches they had. So nice to see Mark Crawford out there on the bench, you know, like because he, he had them as soon as they came into the league, and he was a mentor for them for a while to see him get his due. To even see the Sedins, you know, acknowledge the their the rivals in the the Blackhawks and and talk about the coaches that weren't necessarily the their best coaches, right? Like the the Willie era, the the Torts era. I just I don't know, man. Like that, I I feel like kind of healed, and I wish like a lot of I don't know like how many Canucks fans tuned into that that broadcast that were like bitter, you know, about this whole thing and how long it's taken and everything. Um, and I don't know if this has affected anybody else in this kind of way, but like it totally did for me and I'm just, I'm pumped and it just feels like a good time to be doing this, right? Like the Canucks look like they're going to make the playoffs this year. It looks like, like we're ready to move forward. It looks like that, that new chapter is finally opened up and like the fans are ready to embrace this team again. I know I am like, I'm, I'm totally on board. 
I I don't know. I maybe it was just because I was really tired last night, but when I'm watching it, and this is this is gonna be I don't know what's the word to say. It's uh I have a different view of this. Yeah, go for it. I like I'm not gonna say it's the opposite, but I I when I saw those names go up to the rafters and I saw how many jerseys are up there for so like little success that this team has had. Yeah. To me, like Henrik and Daniel deserve to be in the rafters. Maybe they're the only ones. Yeah. And I just I just thought maybe it's it was a little diluted for me. You know, like it, I've seen this already. I saw the Bury, I saw the Naslin. Who I love those guys. They're like two of my favorite players and everything. But it needs to really mean something when your jersey gets lifted to the rafters. And I just, I wasn't, I wasn't feeling that. I wasn't feeling it at all, really. Do you think that yeah. that that ceremony last night wasn't way more like extravagant and better than those other jersey, or do you think it was more of the same? Because yeah. to me, it felt different. Yeah, it was different. It was different in the fact that they had so many people there. And like I said, maybe this is because I was tired last night, but yeah. I was just like, can we play the game already? I really was <laughs> thinking that. And I'm like, I shouldn't be thinking that when the two best players in Canuck history, their jerseys are going to the rafters. And I'm like, I've seen this already how many times? But you're right. It was a little bit different. And it was really cool to see some of those guys sit next to each other, like Nonus and Gillis and... You know, and Benning, even though Benning was on the other side, it was just it it, it 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 was cool that way to see those guys who I know probably aren't the biggest fans of each other, right? To to come together uh, for a moment uh, to honor these guys who are obviously you know brought this whole organization together during their time here. So N- nothing against the other guys whose na- whose names are in the rafters, right? Like you can like for me, yeah. Sedins are a complete lock. The other ones yeah. you can kind of of question, but like last night felt like the greatest honor that we've ever bestowed on any Canucks ever. I mean, like you even saw when the carpet was laid out, you saw the Hart trophies, you saw the Art Rosses, you saw the Ted Lindsay voted by the player trophies, you saw the Sedin's accomplishments on the Olympic stage with their gold medals from 06, right? Mm-hmm. Like all of that stuff, the way that Everybody showed up, like you said, like your your Berkeys and your Nonuses and your Gillis, who who may not all get along, but they're there to honor these players and how special they are. And they had their We've Sedin, never seen that yeah, before. they've had their Sedin week, right? Which I understand it. I uh, I, I just this whole fiftieth season for me, and maybe I'm gonna sound like a humbug here, but I am just not really that into it. Really, no. Is it just lack of cup? Yeah, lack of lack of lack of success. I I'm just not feeling it as as you know celebration after celebration. In fact, I get a little embarrassed sometimes when I hear the announcers like say things about players in the past and what they've done. I'm like, whoop de doo! You were a player here for four years and had. Semi semi good success one season, and here you know we're acting like it's a huge thing. Well, here's the thing. Here's my contrarian, um, my, like my my rebuttal to that. Yeah. Um, you know, in fifty years they have existed. Fifty years for any 
person, any relationship, anybody to reach is a milestone in and of itself. But I mean, like, we can honor this stuff and still look forward. And that's how it felt for me. And, and like, I look at this stuff and I look at the past and I'm like, finally, I can close the book on all of this. And that Sedin ceremony really galvanized that for me. I'm happy that we have this. I'm happy that these guys are getting their due. I'm, I'm happy that, you know, like, their impact on the Canucks, the community, everything in Vancouver is going to be felt. And I'm, I'm stoked to see what these guys do in the future to honor that, right? And I feel like a lot of fans feel the same way. Maybe not you, but like, I just, I, I like. Did did you get what I'm saying about about diluting things? And when something happens later, that actually is really worth, really worth celebrating. You've already done it for something that's not that great. Well, this isn't a cup celebration. This is still a celebration of two players that deserve to be there. And And it's been the best celebration so far. And I agree that these guys. I said that. Like these guys deserve. Every but I mean, like a guy like Stan Smeal, who took a team that had no business going to the Stanley Cup, right? But that's what and, that's what this team has become about. It seems that we're 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 raising we're raising numbers to the rafters for taking a team to the Stanley Cup final. But you can you can argue, right? And I'm not saying that I'm not saying that this is the right argument that the yeah. people that argue this point are correct or incorrect. Yeah. But for Stan Smeal and his accomplishments for being a long tenured Canuck. On a team that was garbage, where he basically could have gone somewhere else if he really wanted to, for you know jumping into a management role, doing all that stuff, establishing he's like a, the, he's a, the longest tenured Canuck, a crazy humanitarian outreach outside of the game itself. Like Stan Smeal set a lot of that sort of stuff up, and I think he should be honored. Yeah. Right? So I don't have a problem with his number going to the rafters. I feel the exact same way about Trevor Linden. Yeah. Right. That guy did so much for the community outreach, what it truly was to be a captain. I think, you know, sometimes. Thanks, Mary. Yeah. I think sometimes you have to honor guys for more than just their on-ice accomplishments. Even though, like, you know, Trevor Linden in the playoffs was an absolute warrior, a beast. Yeah. Right? I just don't think it has to be with a jersey retirement. Like, no, but the I Ring mean, of Honor could have been made a little bit sooner. I, I agree and with we, that. And the Ring of Honor, we could make that friggin awesome yeah like there's the patriots hall of fame right yeah. or there's the like yeah, like like other teams have hall of fames that they do that they don't retire numbers i get right? that art but yeah. six six jerseys in 50 years i don't think is is too bad first and foremost i think the precedent was set with those two guys before anybody else mm-hmm. right if the ring of honor was conceived sooner then probably we we would have seen these guys in the ring don't you think Bur- pavel don't you think pavel Burry and marcus nazan as like the top at the ring of honor would make the ring of honor seem like really yeah. the ring of Bur- honor Bur- right? Bur- and nazan for me are probably yeah. the ones that I would argue against the most yeah. for their jerseys being up there yeah. at the time nazi was the all-time points leader and everything like that so i understand why the canucks gave him that look and nazi was a great leader and, like, he got a huge tribute last night for his his contributions with even the way that the Twins came up. Yeah. Pavel Bure, for me, is probably the weirdest one because I still... They were pressured, I thought, into doing that because he was in the, in the Hall, Hall of, of Fame. Fame. That's that why same I think year. it's the weirdest one. Yeah, and they were like, okay, well, here's a guy who's in the Hall of Fame yeah. who, grew, who started his career here, Yeah, you know, really made fans excited about the game and everything, yeah. and they were like, okay, we have to do it. So I get it, and I get Bury and I get Naslin. But those were two decisions 
that you could have made and you could have said you could have you really could have said something by putting those guys in the ring of honor well right and now because now i mean is roberto luongo going to go to the rafters no he's going in the ring he hit i i think lou Cass, and um edler once he's his career is finished i think all three of those guys will go to the ring and then i don't think we're going to see a canuck go up to the rafters or in the ring for a really really long time okay Right, because we have this whole new generation of players that are coming in now. Like this is when's the next time we're going to see a jersey raised to the banner? I mean, raised to the rafters, like 10, 15 years. You know, maybe mm-hmm. if we're lucky. So I don't mind this. I don't. I don't mind the stuff previous. Six jerseys in fifty years. It's not too bad. You know, the Sedins are kind of a, a package deal in that way. So really, it's like you know, a, a jersey every decade. It's it's not too too crazy. Okay. I get your point for the lack of success, right? But when you make it to a Stanley Cup well, final, well, I don't I don't mean like these, you know, like I'm not. I mean a little bit I am, but I'm not I'm not trying to shit on them for what they've accomplished and what they've achieved. I'm just saying by honoring like Naslin and and Linden and Beret and everything for what they've it done. It feels like it cheapens, it, it cheapens what, what, come, what can have co- done. and what can come next, yeah. too. No, right? and and yeah. and you can take a look at it that way. Yeah. I don't I don't necessarily agree with that, but I, I get what you're saying. Yeah. Um it just yeah. But I mean like I think everybody deep down knows, right? Yeah. And I think there are so many people that there's a lot of bitterness after this 2011 cup run and what happened to these players and what happened to that team and last night was not just an honor of the Sedins where it easily could have been right but they're such classy guys and so many people love them that it almost felt like not only like primarily honoring them but honoring everything that they had during their run and and that means honoring the, the people that they were with and the people that they had an impact on and people who had impact on them. I thought it was masterfully done. Yeah. I thought their speech was incredible. The way they started with Joe, uh, Jay Bowmeister, right? Just pure class, again, from the Sedins, you know? And um, going through every single person, even talking about, like, Roger Takahashi, strength and conditioning coach, everybody in the back acknowledging all the things that, you know, have made them who they are as people, and and between them and Bieksa, I like I, I couldn't have asked for a better night. Uh, Ryan Kessler, who <laughs> he kind of was pleading all week, try, hoping that people wouldn't boo him. Right, that that was his like mission over the last week. He you know he because he you know he came out and said he was worried that people were going to boo. He was apologetic. He did lots of interviews. Everything. The Ryan Kessler yeah. apology tour. It was the Ryan Kessler apology tour. Yeah. So uh, he was asked about you know the cheer that he got. To get that ov- ovation not once but twice was uh, you know gave gave me goosebumps and and still does just talking about it. Healing. Does it feel like healing? Yeah. Yeah. It feels like uh, you know ready to uh, move on to my next chapter now right it was uh you know i i almost started tearing up and and uh to be able to to look around and have those fans standing up cheering um you know back like they used to it was uh it's a pretty special feeling that i'll never forget 
2011? It did. It brought me back. Yeah, it brought me back to those days and, and uh, just standing there and, and hearing that roar every night. Um, you know, when, when we were going on that cup run and how loud the building would get, um, that was, uh, yeah, that was pretty special. So it meant a lot to him, apparently, as you can hear. And the Canucks fans were nice about it, which I expected them to be. They weren't going to be mean on Sedin night, right? Well, Batman and... <laughs> they were Batman luring Batman. Lou Batman. <laughs> Uh, Batman should almost wear that as a badge of honor. Now, I think he does. Me. I think he does I think too. him and Daly, like they're both like just kind of laughing and all. Yeah. Right. Um, it's Commissioner Goodell that can't get over it. He's the commissioner that can't. Yeah, but that's because he's grossly incompetent at his yeah. job, and he knows the yeah. jeers aren't just they're they're jeers at Goodell are jeers of actual hate. Yeah. The ones of Batman are kind of like, yeah, you you you've been a goof, especially in the late nineties, but like. You're not that bad. Yeah. Uh, Roberto Luongo also got a really good ovation. That He was looking good, too. The greasy-haired back, he was yeah. looking good. It was awesome. Um, I'm really happy that uh, they asked me to come. Uh, I'm really happy that I came, and it was uh, it was beautiful, you know, from start to finish. And uh, too bad I couldn't hear Kevin's jokes, but other than that, it was, it was great. What does that mean? I mean, you came back as a player, you yeah. got the reaction, but every time that you hear that more yeah. from this group of fans, what does that mean to you? Oh, it gives me chills every time. I think uh, I was just telling Burr that, you know, it was it was weird just seeing all, all lined up on the, on the boards and we're all retired now, but uh, at the same time, it still gives us, uh, you know, great feelings, great emotions to, to, to be recognized by the fans and getting standing ovations and, and cheered and all that kind of stuff. So, um, you know, obviously tonight is about the Twins and, and we're all here for them and uh, we're happy that, uh, you know, we got to enjoy this night with them. Luongo's, does he, does his, uh, does his career feel like it's more a, a Panther than a Canuck though? The way he ended it, the decision that he made, how it affected the Canucks. There was no talk about, you know, this cap recapture thing that's been screwing the Canucks yeah. over this year and stuff like that. You know, that a decision that he made, right? Well, kind in of. A, in a, yeah, pretty, in a way. In a pretty bad circumstance, though, yeah. right? That's what I mean, though. That's why I felt it was good. Like, that's why I feel like, like I'm not that night, like going through that whole thing, I didn't remember any of that crap. I don't remember that outdoor game that moment. I don't remember the Kessler saying, I want to get out of here. I remember those guys for when they were wearing the uniform and playing like absolute studs to get us to where we want to go. And that's what I want to honor, right? These dark days, we can call them dark days. But those players in my eyes last night, and I feel like for a lot of Canucks fans moving forward, will be the studs that they were when they were in their prime with the Canucks, right? I think a lot of people were able to let all that remorse and and whatever you call it, I mean, it could even get to a point for some fans as, as hating what that team became. I think a lot of people can get just push that aside now and saying, like, look, these guys were great when they were great. The way it fell apart was horrendous, but I'm not a, I'm not worried about that anymore. I'm looking to the future now with, with the group we have now. So it felt like closure. It did. It felt Curry. like closure. Yeah. Um, That's interesting because I kind of – my closure moment was – and this is going to sound a little weird, but I think my closure moment was where I knew that the team had turned the page was uh, when Brock Besser came up and had 
his run at the end of that season when he like I'm like okay they got a good player here there's light at the end of the tunnel that that's for me that's when it really like started to turn yeah. before then I was just like man this team is in a downwards trend and there is just no light I am not seeing anything but I, I, I think you might be looking at it from an analytical perspective versus an emotional perspective, right? Yeah, from but for an, me, that was also emotional. It was. It was like now we got a player that we can be proud of that we can move to the next, to the, to the next, uh, you know, slot with this team. This, and and this that's, next age. that's a fair thing to for say. For me, that's what it was. I didn't need a huge ceremony like this to get that. For, that's a fair thing to say. Or maybe you're more even keel than most guys. But I, I definitely like from an analytical point. I agree with you. Like, when I saw Brock come into the league, I'm like, all right, we're getting some good players. Yeah. You know, we got something to build on. And this this looks good moving forward. And hopefully they, they can continue the momentum. But from an emotional perspective, I was still a train wreck, you know? Because I didn't trust the team yet. I didn't trust them. I'm like, I don't trust this team. I don't trust management. I don't trust anybody to move forward and has to start winning with what we have even here. I'm still bitter about what happened and the way it all ended. You know, now I feel like we're past that and the team we have is great. And I, I think a lot of the fans feel how I feel with with that, right? Not Maybe not everybody. Maybe some people still are bitter. But it's... I think it's a great thing, and uh, I think that's the best celebration the Canucks have ever had, and and well deserving of the two players that they honored, right? The one thing I found really funny though was uh, the the team gift, the flight anywhere. Yeah, <laughs> they couldn't. They couldn't. They can't like, afford their own flight anywhere. No, no, no. Like it was just like, like obviously the Aquilini's Kentucky Derby trip yeah, was very specific. Yeah, that's specific, we know you yeah. love horses. We're sending you to yeah. the Kentucky Kentucky Derby, yeah. but I just picture like. You know, 23 hockey players sitting in a room being like, what should we get them? What should we get them? What should we get them? Oh, we'll get them a gift to anywhere they want, you know, rather than deciding on something that, to give yeah. it to them. It just, it just made me laugh. And it was I, just a big poster with an airplane on it, right? Yeah. I, I don't want to be clear here. I'm not poo-pooing the ceremony. Sounds or, like you are. Or poo-pooing the Sedin's honor of Sounds going like into the are. rafters. And I just... He was tired, ladies and gentlemen. I was a little tired. He needed sleep. But I was just like, I've seen this before. I've seen jerseys go to the rafters before. And I just I just hate that the Canucks are where they're at with their jersey retirement. Yeah, but uh, just because you've seen something before doesn't mean it's always going to register the same emotionally. Yeah, I know. Right? It's all it's all about players and your connection with those Don't players. tell me how to feel, Caleb I'm just Kirby. saying. Right, that's it's just the way it is. Yeah. There's there's jersey retirements that have meant more to me that I've seen than other ones where I'm like, yeah, he, maybe he deserves it, but I'm not as connected. Like Beret for me, Beret is why I fell in love with the Canucks to begin with as a player. Mm -hmm. But that retirement did not have that weight for me, basically for for the reasons of how he left, him continuing his career as a Panther, and the fact that I feel like that retirement was a product of the Hall of Fame, like we, like we talked about already. You know, when I see a guy like Bertuzzi go up in the ring of honor, which hopefully that happens as well, you know, when I see a guy like Bertuzzi, it's going to mean a lot for me. When I see a guy like Kessler, you know, hopefully he goes up in the ring of honor, it's going to mean a lot to me because everybody connects with players differently. The Sedins, I feel, connected with everybody, you know, and and uh, the do they got last night was outstanding. The only thing that really affected uh, the ceremony, like, in a negative way, I think was how the players came out of the gate in the actual game. 
because they were sitting on that bench for a pretty long time. And then when they came out to start that game, they looked flat, man. Dude, they looked flat the entire game. Yeah. But especially in the first, I thought. Yeah. Like, you know, like Chicago almost had 10 shots before the Canucks landed a single shot. And then they got 10 shots on their power play throughout the entire game. Right? Like Markstrom stood on his head. Yeah, Jacob Markstrom is a god right now. Jacob Markstrom's the team MVP. He should be a Vesna candidate. And I think someone on the on the broadcast mentioned that he should maybe even in, uh, be in contention for the heart, which I thought is, is a little bit of a stretch right now. But, like, man, does he matter. He matters so much to the Canucks right well, now. Last night ridiculous. was ridiculous. Like, well, the point-blank saves. Yeah, and the, yeah, yeah, he made, like, 36 saves in that. He, and he was the first star in a game that the Canucks scored a bunch of goals in. Yeah. I... Uh, I mean, he's he's just on another level right now. Like he pay was, the man, pay the man, as Rich Brown would say, right? <laughs> pay our, that guy. Our his Vancouver money. Canucks contributor, lock there, him up. Are you hearing some of the lock rumors? Lock him up. Are you rumors, hearing some of the rumors? What he wants for a contract? What is it? There's some whispers out there that he's looking for six years, six million per. I'm trying to bring that down a bit. Maybe five point five. Connor Hellebuck makes six point one per year. Oh God! Right, so. I feel like he's probably worth 6-6. Six, six. I mean, it'd be nice to get it down. But here's the thing is you can't always look at bad contracts as a measuring stick yeah. because everybody else in the league knows that they're bad contracts, right? If people are looking at, like, superstar money to give to a player right now, everybody can just look at Jeff Skinner's contract with Buffalo and be like, oh, yeah, like, like, pay me $9 million for nine years or whatever, like, whatever term it was. It's stupid. No one's going to pay him that. No one's going to pay like most guys that just because that an albatross of a contract For sure. exists. But he, he got that contract based on whatever seasons he did, right? So it's going to go right down to the numbers. You know how these agents are. It's not just... Yeah, and I agree. I, like, I think Markstrom deserves money, and he's never been more dialed in than he has been this season. And last year, he was incredibly dialed in. You and I were both saying that. But we're saying, how consistent is it? Can he do it for another season? He's proven to everybody that he can. Uh, 49 saves by Markstrom in the shutout. That's the most by a Canucks goaltender since Kirk McLean stopped 45 shots in a win over Montreal in 1991 for shutouts. Uh, Art, guess what? What up? Markstrom stoned Kubelik like seven times last Oh, yeah. Kubelik probably felt like he should have gotten seven goals. Like him and Patrick Kane. Oh, Patrick Kane, Him and Patrick Kane were mad. You could just see it. Kubelik started laughing at one point. Yeah. Yeah. Like, they're just like, I cannot solve this guy. I have no idea how to do it. Yeah. The Canucks were outshot 49 to 20 (coughs) in that game. Yeah. And I'd say probably five of those shots on Crawford were from, like, major distance. Dude, Alex (laughs) Edler had two of them in the third period from his own end. So, really, the shots were more like 49 to 15 for the game. Yeah. Really. Yeah. I thought Edler had a whale of a game last night, too. I thought him and Tanev were fantastic. Like, defensively, Edler blocked a few shots. Even though the Chicago got quite a few shots on net, I thought, like... Both of those guys, like Tanev was constantly clearing the puck from out in front of the net, doing a great job there. I thought Edler on the wall was great. Like every chance he had to make a play on a penalty kill, he made it. I I, I just thought he, he had a whale of a game. There weren't many Canucks I thought had whales of a game. I wouldn't give it to any forward. Yeah. I mean, Brandon Sutter got three points last night. 
So you can maybe. Exclude I thought Horvat him. was pretty good, actually. Well, Horvat's always good yeah. against a guy like Taves. You just yeah. it, it encourages him to step his game up. But like almost everybody else on that it team does. last night was pretty flat. Yeah, you know, and even some of the other D men were were like Myers. I thought. And ben I thought. Were fighting yeah, the puck, I, man. And the the Blackhawks played well. Like yeah. Kane and Taves were everywhere in that game, everywhere, and they just couldn't beat Markstrom. It was yeah. It was it was fun to watch how frustrated they were getting. Yeah. It was. And Kubelik had that moment where he was, like, laughing, and the camera caught it. Yeah. Yeah. There was a moment in that game where the puck was coming down the right wall, going in behind the net, and Jamie Benn was on the other side of the net. And Jamie I'm like, ben, yeah. oh, it's all good. He's got this no problem. And he, like, took he the missed. widest route I've ever seen in behind the net. Like, he should have been in, like, the Zamboni Bay. Like, that's how wide of a route he took. It was at the end of a long shift, and too. And a Blackhawk player beat him to the puck. And, yeah. like, I looked, I was watching a game with a buddy, and I'm like, did you see this? Like, how do you do that? It extended yeah. a shift that was, like, already yeah. long, too. And it was just like, man, Markstrom was under siege. Yeah. All because Ben Ding Ding to correct route to the puck. <laughs> and just, like, guys, like, a lot of the forwards just trying to chip the puck out of the net. I mean, out of the zone just a little bit. Like, one-handed pokes with the stick, and then they just get it over the blue line. And Chicago would get it, regroup, and come right back in. Yeah. And I'm just like, man, like, get it out. Yeah. Get it out. Yeah. Yeah. It it felt like the goals, too, were like they did have the power play goal, but it was like someone described the game last night as being shorthanded for 60 minutes and yeah. scoring two, scoring some couple shorthanded goals. Well, I will <laughs> say I was actually saying this to my friend last night, too. I'm like, you know what? For Sedin night, the play out there sure is sloppy, right? And basically, as soon as I said that, it was that pass from Sutter to Horvat in front of the net. Where it was just like boom, boom, in. I'm like, yeah. All right, except that one. That was good. The Godet goal. Yeah. That was nice. That was really nice. Yeah. Uh, But that was after like a blatant no call, too. Did you see that? The hit from behind that that made the goal happen? Yeah. But this was also after there was. That was Jordy Ben's hit. Jordy Ben's hit, yeah, but there was th- that was right after a play where Petey didn't get an obvious call that he should have Yeah, gotten. he was on the wall. I yeah, mean, he was getting held. That's right. Up so and immediately out. after yeah. that, so it was almost like the rest were like, "Yeah, we're just gonna let this go." The refing was not that good last night. <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll say that too. Yeah, it wasn't. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it was a little sloppy there. But hey, the Canucks got the victory. Remain three points ahead of Edmonton, five points ahead of Vegas. They lead the Pacific Division with 69 points. And they got to play the Ducks on Sunday. The Canucks' schedule isn't as packed as it is moving forward. Like, the next game is on Sunday against the Ducks. And then I want to say the Wild again? Yeah, is that a is that, a, is that an, um, an afternoon game against the Ducks? It's 2 o'clock. Yeah, it's an yeah. afternoon game, yeah. Yeah. That'll be... Uh, I, I kind of like those afternoon games in... How much, like, Marky's carrying a huge load, and when he was playing against Calgary a few games back, I didn't think he looked his sharpest. But a big part of that was I think it had more to do with just fatigue and traveling back to Vancouver and starting in that first game more than anything. How many more starts do you think a guy like Demko's going to get with the way that the Canucks are still kind of in the hunt to just make the playoffs, even though they're sitting at the top. It's a good question. And and I think and they have much, confidence. I how think much they have confidence, workload though. can a guy like Markstrom handle if he's getting peppered with you yeah. know forty shots a game? Uh, you did make the point that they play pretty well in front of Demko, though. They do. They do. And I think they at have. Home, com- I think they have confidence in him at home, especially. I think they play very well in front of Demko. Yeah, but it's just like it is. Is Saturday, I mean, Sunday's game a game where you look at them starting Demko 
just to give Markey a bit of a break now that he's played three in a row back at home. He's been shelled. Like, it's against the Ducks, who are kind of a weaker team. Yeah. Is that the game where you start Demko just to give Markey a break? Or do you basically ride Markey at a point where you're like, hey, man, are you able to start? And if he says yes, then you just throw him in there. Well, it's, what do you do? There isn't a game until Sunday. Like, it's, it's Thursday today, man. That's yeah. It's four days between games. Yeah. You're probably going to go with your guy who's basically can't be beaten right now. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. I mean, it'd, be, it'd look a little foolish after the run that this guy's just had. But, I mean, there is that – if you're that fatigued, though, as a player, and, I'm like, I, I thought the Calgary game was a perfect instance of a guy who had just come off a road trip, a pretty tough road trip, mind you, come back, had to get up to play a Calgary team and was probably tired, probably cramped up from sitting on a plane – getting back and and trying to get in the zone to play. Yeah, that Calgary game, game was not fun. No. Not not fun at all. Yeah, I don't know. It's we'll see what Green does. I don't think Green's think- been that bad with his goalie chases uh goalie decisions this season, but we'll see what he does. The Kings did the Canucks a favor beating Calgary last night. Absolutely. That's nice. That's nice. It was nice. Yeah, the things things have been working out for the Canucks on the on the out of town scoreboard of late. Yeah, like big time. Even when they lost to like Minnesota, everybody else lost that night too and uh Canucks a little bit of injury problems here, but so does a lot of other teams like well, McDavid like McDavid now. is out, yeah. right? So Brock Besser's out. Here the Canucks are getting tested without one of their, you know, top offensive players. So can we um, talk about Brock for a second? Sure. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it was on the list to talk about. I mean... If it's on the list, we talk about it. That's how we do things around here. He's been struggling, right? He's been struggling to find the back of the net. I think that's, um, you know, like, everybody kind of knows that. He got moved down to the third line. At the time when that happened, you and I had a conversation about it. I stated that I didn't mind it too much because it's allowed a guy like Jake to find a different gear for his game. Um, I still kind of believe that, but with the injury to Besser now, like, is this guy getting compounded with injuries? Is he, is he like basically making up for another injury by protecting himself and then getting hurt in a different way? I still look at that guy's wrist, man, and like, like that wrist shot that we we saw his first year, it just doesn't feel like it's there, like. Is that what it is? Is it confidence? What is? It could, I mean, he's it, still he's still putting up points. He's yeah. still playing strong defense. It's yeah. not, you know, it's But like it's those are things bad. that and, and we've we've praised him for both of those things. We've we've said his defensive game has improved vastly and it has. And his playmaking on the ice is probably the best it's been. But the tri- retrieval but the as trigger well. man yeah. that we saw, you know, in that first season, especially on the power play, you know, like Right at the circle, at the faceoff circle, just ripping those pucks, sniping. It feels like we haven't seen that best but in a really I also, long time. Yeah. And I wonder if that is a result of that wrist still. It could be. I also have a theory that when he was here early, he was the only guy. Like he knew it was, he had to shoot the puck. Remember, I don't know how, when he first came there, that first, that first little run and then into the next season as well. He took every shot and more, and he knew it. He's like, yeah. no one else has a better shot than me. But the team's better now, a lot better. I get that. Guys like Miller, guys like Petey, like these guys, like he, I think he de- he's deferring a little bit more than he should. I get that, but yeah. have, and you, maybe that's a have you thing, seen right? that shot is my question. Yeah. That shot that we saw that first season and into the second for a little bit, 
have you seen that shot this season? Because it feels like to me that I haven't really. Yeah. I've seen a I've seen a clapper, right? That looks decent, but that quick shot off the stick, quick wrister. You know, I know goalies are everybody in the NHL when a superstar comes in. There's some time where they wow the league, and then every player tries to adjust and and compensate for them. But to me, this power play that the Canucks have is so loaded that you shouldn't be able to compensate for guys like Petey, Miller, and Besser. Like, one guy, one of those guys is going to get open. He was on the back end, moves that puck around so well that those guys should get it open enough to get those shots off. And I just feel like like there may be something that's still bugging them. Yeah, it might and it, be. And it may be physic- physical. Yeah, it might be. Absolutely. Uh, upper body injury, I don't know what that means, right? Yeah. Uh, it sounded like he was going to be out for a couple of weeks, but I think the Canucks are still saying day-to-day. Yeah. They still are, so hopefully that means that it's not that serious. Get him back in the lineup, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there is one other thing I want to talk about. Trevor Linden. Yes. It's pretty clear it was not uh, a good situation when he left. Yes. And he addressed that this week. Yes. By saying nothing. Like his conversation with Murph right away, I was like, okay, Murph is going to ask him. And it was the last question they asked him, and it was a calculated answer. It was. It was like, I know this question is coming. This is how I'm going to answer it. Um, I found it interesting. That's it. I just, I, <laughs> yeah. I just think Trevor's yeah. another one of those yeah. guys that like we can close that book on with how people look at him and embrace him. That could have gone even worse for Trevor. If Trevor would have stuck around and, like, say the Canucks weren't able to rebuild the way they did, like, people could be like, oh, he's he doesn't know what he's doing. Get him out of here. They Like, at least, you know, the market hadn't turned on him and was calling for his head before they parted ways or whatever you want or however – kicked out or whatever however you want to slice it yeah it could have it could have been a lot worse did you buy into any of the, the i know some people bought into the fact that he didn't like mention jim banning at all in the in like who to who who who's responsible for how this team has turned it around and everything like that when he was mentioning things i mean he probably like i mean that's probably a pride thing you, think you know with thing? With, yeah. with him as a competitor and as an athlete a lot of athletes have that mm-hmm. um i think trevor as a whole though is a pretty humble guy he's just he's not going to stir the pot when the pot doesn't need to be stirred even when uh you know people are are asking him specific questions i think trevor's a classy guy he'll always who, take who the high knows, road who knows too that this week isn't about a quote from him this is a week about the the Sedins, and he's just there to honor that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, True. But this is the, that. Make no mistake about it. This is the first. Uh, yeah. This is the first appearance well, by Trevor it, Linden let, since that. Let me split. put it this way for for other people to, that may you know kind of kind of try and find like is there a similarity in in some other way that happened? I'll go to movies here. This week, people were asking Ryan Johnson, the director of the the Last Jedi like, what he thought of the new Star Wars movie. Let's be honest. Everybody knows what he thinks, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. That movie went and they retconned basically all the things that he did in his movie before, you know? But instead of saying anything like that, he's like, thought it was great. Thought it was good, right? Yeah. A lot of people are like, yeah, you, you <laughs> probably feel something different. But he knows there's no point in stirring that pot. There's no point in poking that hive. After all the backlash that's already happened to him, and after all the backlash that's already happened in Vancouver because of the Trevor Linden thing, he's like, there's no point in poking this bear. I'm just going to let it sleep, and I'm going to honor what's happening right now. 
And, and of course, Trevor Linden's going to do that, right? Mm-hmm. 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 All right. That's really all I wanted to say about Trevor Linden. Um, yeah, Canucks play uh, on Sunday against the, the Ducks and then Minnesota on Wednesday. So it's not really the hardest schedule they have here if they can wrap up wrap up a couple of wins, get that revenge win right away on the, the Wild. It's kind of weird that the Canucks aren't playing at home on Friday. You know, you think Rogers Arena would be open for that. Or no, wait, they're not. Why is that, Art? <laughs> Valentine's Day. It's Valentine's Day. <laughs> but why wouldn't there be a game? Is, is something else happening at Rogers Arena? Uh, a live event is happening at Rogers Arena. Really? Yeah. What a live kind of show. It, it's it's the circus that's on the road. It's a road circus. It's a road circus. Does it have animals in it? There might be some animals. You never know. I guess you could call some of them animals, right? Yeah, yeah. WWE, SmackDown Live. So when's the last time the WWE was in Vancouver? I'm not sure. I have no idea. So there was that, what was it? There was that event in Victoria. It was a Money in the Bank. No, remember no, no, that? no, no. It wasn't a pay-per-view or anything like that. Not it a money, was, sorry, no. It was just a house show. House show, but it was like a briefcase. There was a briefcase match. Roman Reigns got hit by... A guy in the crowd, oh, really? like threw something at it. Yeah, and he got it, and the guy got arrested. You remember this? This was like no. this was like four or five years ago. Huh? Yeah. Yeah, but those are live shows. Those aren't taped. And the only thing I re- the only reason I remember that is because I was on the desk. Yeah. And I was the only news guy in Victoria, and I like heard this was happening, and I saw the tweets about, and I like talked to someone, and my 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 story went national. Hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> Here's the thing, Art. I don't think there's been, like, a televised WWE. I know there's been house shows yeah. that go to, like, Langley. I think some of them have gone to Vancouver. Yeah. But there hasn't been a televised, televised show, like, yeah. SmackDown or Raw in Vancouver for a really, really, really long time. Mm-hmm. Um, full disclosure, I've never been to a WWE live event in my life. Me either. I got to tell you, <laughs> I'm pretty pumped for tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, so we're recording this on a Thursday, Friday. It'll be Friday SmackDown. Friday Night Smackdown. Art and I are spending our Valentine's Day with a few other friends mm-hmm. going to this WWE SmackDown Live event. It's only where fitting. we get to cheer on guys like Roman Reigns. It's only fitting. There's a whole Valentine's Day storyline, too, might I add, <laughs> that I'm really, really interested in between a guy named Otis and Mandy Rose. Okay. Where uh, Mandy Rose, if you haven't seen her, bit of a babe. Yeah. Otis, he kind of looks like a no-necked ball of just muscle and energy. Hilarious. I watched a little clip on YouTube about this, you know, and uh, he's actually in the Royal Rumble. I watched the Royal Rumble and she fell out, but she fell on his chest and he kept her in the match Mm. and all that sort of stuff. So this Valentine's Day, like this is the culmination of that story and it's happening for us when we go there tomorrow. Interesting. Good stuff. I'm pumped, man. Yeah, I'm I'm pumped too. I don't know. I I don't know what to expect, honestly. I I just expect like... Rogers Arena would be crazy. I'll tell you the things that I'm the most excited for. One, to hear the music. Losing your voice. When guys come in, when wrestlers come in, to hear how loud that music is live. Because you only hear it on TV, and you're like, that's loud. But, like, live, I wonder what that's like. The lights, the pyro. Like, I'm really, really excited to see that sort of stuff. Nice. Uh, A couple of things I wanted to get to here. Uh, Major League Baseball. Looks like they may change their playoff formats. Do you hear about it? What do you think about it? Think Trevor that, Bauer, pitcher for the, uh, I don't even know what team he's on now, the Reds, Cincinnati Reds now, I think. He came out and was like just lipping off Rob Manfred, who's the the, the commissioner. commissioner. Yeah. 
Uh, so the new format's going to have like another couple of teams in and uh, a buy for the first seed. What do you think about that? And they get to pick who they want to play. Yeah, that's that's like a reality TV kind of thing to it, right? I'll tell you one thing. This has really changed the story for the Major League Baseball to get them off the cheating scandal. <laughs> and I think that's one of the biggest things about this is it's a smokescreen. To be like, let's not talk about the Astros and that disaster that we've been dealing with for the last two months. Let's talk about this so we have a new narrative to talk about. I don't know if this is going to happen, but I think this is a pretty smart move by the MLB to just kind of change the narrative as we head into ball season. Like, ball season's not that far off. Oh, pitchers and catchers are there, yeah. So, did you hear the Astros today, though, this morning? No. They, They came out and talked about this for the first time. And there's a quote from the owner or the president or something that says, we don't think it impacted the game. We were a that's good team. Arro- that's so like, arrogant. How man. can you say something yeah. like that? Yeah, that's after very, everything very that's arrogant. come out. Yeah, how can you say something yeah. like that? It was the worst apology ever. Yeah. Don't get me wrong, that team was stacked oh, with it's talent. Unreal. But then why do you have to? Why, yeah, you have but, a great team. Why do you have to cheat? Yeah, but why do you have to cheat? Like it, it definitely affected the outcome. But here's something I don't know how much has been. It's been said a little bit out there, but. How much of me is this going on in Major League Baseball across the entire league? Yeah. Right? And yeah. that's why everybody's been really mum about this. Well, I think it's they've also been mum about it because they don't want to get in trouble by Major League Baseball and or the Players Association, mm-hmm. right? Because yeah. you could get in some big trouble. You could get blacklisted from taking a stand, making a stand, or anything like that having to do with, with this sport. So yeah. I feel like some guys are just kind of like, they're like, we're not going to talk about anything. Plus, there's the whole other dirty side of baseball with performance-enhancing, uh, you know, drugs and stuff. And even if you're playing on a team with a guy who's juicing mm-hmm. and you know about it and somebody else knows about it, they're going to call you out. And that's why everybody it's lived off be, Mike Fires for, yeah, you know. People are going to be flinging mud at each other. Whistleblowing. And I think that's why Major, Major League Baseball partly talked about these rules and stuff as far as what they want to do with the playoffs to just get people's minds off it. Yeah. I don't mind adding more teams into the playoffs. Yeah. I don't mind it. It's like college basketball or college football <laughs> doing it. That's 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 kind of what this is akin to. I don't mind a wild card playoff between two wild card teams in both divisions. I think that's fine. Yeah. Right? I think that's totally okay. And and if it's one game, that's okay. And if it's a series, I I even think that's okay. The dog and pony show crap of I get to select who I play and or whatever, yeah. I think is is uh, stupid. Yeah. But here's the thing, right? Trevor Bauer was hating on the, you know, the whole bye, like bye week, yeah. how many days off. He's like, we're creatures of habits. He blasted it. Well, Trevor <laughs> Bauer can kind of pound it, to be honest. Oh, he can. He's an asshole, um, that guy. Good player, though. The thing is, is you play 162 games, right? And Major League Baseball should even take a look at this. Cut how many games you're playing, calculate how many games you can play in the playoffs to maximize your revenue as a league. You're going to be making more money as a league and players and merchandise and everything if you start your playoffs a little bit sooner, have them go a couple more rounds because people are buying tickets to events that mean something rather than having semi-empty stadiums in September, right? It's just never going to happen in that archaic sport. 162 games is part of it's the history of the game. That's just what it is. Dude, it's a you could cut season. it down to 150 games. Yeah. Right? You could take 12 games out, extend your playoffs, and make more money. 
But you can do that. It's just such a stats orientated league and history, right? Everybody everybody wants to protect that. That's what they want to protect. No, but I mean, like, this same commissioner's introduced juice balls without telling anybody, right? (laughs) Hey, now. (laughs) Well, seriously, there's been black eye scandal after scandal in Major League Baseball over the past 20 years. You need to start admitting that the integrity of this game is already messed up. So if the stats get a little skewed because you're not playing 162 and you drop down to 150, it's not a big deal. Yeah. Right? I agree. Yeah. Uh, the Oscars happened this past weekend. Yeah. What'd you think? I love the show. It's one of, it was one of my favorite shows, I think. The Oscars, in a little while. I thought it was pretty good. I, I, I thought Eminem's performance was awesome. Yeah, it was good. Very unexpected. Yeah. Yeah, like, because they were, like, showing the best picture, or the best music score, or whatever, that had won at the movies, and they were showing them one by one by one, and then his was last, and I was like, why is his last? And then everybody went nuts. Yeah. Mom's spaghetti. Just Palms are sweaty. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Parasite winning Best Picture. We both thought it was going to be 1917. It was a surprise. Uh, I got to see Parasite, and uh, I thought definitely it was a top three movie that I saw this year. Um, you ever see Snowpiercer? Yeah. So he—that's the same director that did yeah, Snowpiercer. Yeah. He did the host as well. Okay. Yeah. It's yeah. A, it's a, it's a social commentary is yeah. what it is, like on class and stuff yeah. like that. Uh, but this. Uh, and, and I know a lot of people might not want to see Parasite because it is, you know, international and there's Dude, it's subtitles. the movie I wanted to see the most. Like, it's the movie that even before we all started watching our Oscar picks, I'm like, this is the movie I want to see the most. And I told a friend about it and she royally screwed me and watched the movie without me. Yeah. So then I was like, oh, so okay, by the way, uh, our friend, Kirsten, she hosted the Oscars party, though. She did a great job. Yeah. Right? So she got me rip roaring hammered because no one else would drink the shots. And you're still feeling it. Nah, well, I think this has to do with something else, but that's no, all right. I don't know. Okay, well, the next day you were not feeling it. Yeah. Uh, great party, though. Like, oh, they know how to host. Yeah. Johnny, her her husband, was just crushing that braised. Was it pork? Is it pork belly? Braised pork belly, yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. That's that, that, like, and I, in full disclosure, I was. I, I, you know, we had, we had done an Oscars viewing party, Caleb and I, kind of a small one to, to kind of cap off watching all these Oscar movies. And I kind of liked the small one, but hers was a little bit bigger. There was more people there, but hey, the spread that they put out was fantastic. So you can't beat the spread. Ooh, you yeah. can't beat the spread. For yeah. Sure. So maybe that's why I like the Oscars a lot. Uh, any surprises you thought? The Irishman not really getting anything at all. I didn't necessarily think that was going to be a surprise. I thought Joker winning the score was well deserved. Really? That was that was probably the one for me because it was so unsettling. That's that score in that movie. It makes you feel like bad things are going to happen, yeah. and that's exactly what that movie does to you. So that was one that I was like, it should win, and it did win, and I was like, okay. Even though that movie is, it's not the it's not the best, it's not the worst. Right, but one thing I will say is that the Oscar Oscars got to make a change, just like baseball does. Like the Oscars for years, it was like four or five movies per year. They got to go back down, man. They, they do. got to cut it out. Like I'm sorry, you can talk about inclusion and all these sorts of things when it comes to movies to get directors in there, or you know, like whatever agenda you're you're standing for, or you're or you're campaigning for, and some of them are very positive and and they deserve campaigning. But when it comes to best movies. Like, four or five. 
There's movies in there that shouldn't have been in there. No. You know? I thought, yeah, I thought there were five movies that were in a class of their own. Yeah. And then and and then everything after that was just like, mm, why are you there? Yeah. Yeah. But I get it. The, the Oscars just want more. They just want more. That's yeah. what they want. And that's the problem with their, their well, show. One more thing. Can we talk about it real quick? Yeah. Are you watching any XFL this weekend? Oh, the XFL. Uh, you know, I saw a little bit. Yeah, and uh, I think Matt McGloin was the quarterback, and who was the other guy? Uh, oh, they got A.J. McCarron, and I can't remember the names of their teams, but I just watched a little bit of it. Uh, it was sloppy. Uh, the defense was far better than the offense, and, uh, you know, that's just shaking things off at the start, so I don't know that'll change down the line. Uh, I like the point-after rule, even though I didn't get to see it <laughs> because yeah. these teams couldn't fucking score. Uh I like the kickoff rule. I like. I, there's parts about it that I like. Am I going to get into it? Probably not. So you don't have a favorite team already? No. I have a team that I'm leaning leaning towards team? already. Houston. Okay, why? That P.J. Walker quarterback, man, he was fire in that first week. Okay. He was unreal. I want to see how he does the next week, and I want to I know, like, is this guy worth cheering for? Because <laughs> in that first week, like, that Houston game, was it was the best game. Right. Yeah. It was kind of close. It was them against L.A. And then in the second half, he just took the game over. And I was like, this guy's exciting. They might have somebody here. So you're going to be watching some XFL. I'm going to be watching some XFL. And oh. and um, I also just kind of like how they, they, they're trying to develop stars on their own rather than, you know, spending big money on guys like Kaepernick or Menzel or any of these other, like, NFL players that aren't current, Tebow, guys that currently aren't in the NFL, to be like, oh, we have these guys, and pay them oodles of money. I think it's good that they have, like, we have lesser-known guys you haven't heard of, and they're going to make stars of themselves if they're good enough. Do you see I think that's this, a smart way of going about it. Yeah, do you it. see this league lasting longer than the other iteration of the XFL? I do. I think there's more thought that went into it, and it's less gimmicky. Yeah, like Vince McMahon... Didn't show up anywhere. Yeah. I think that's a good thing. I do too. Right? That was probably very smart. Having a guy like Pat McAfee on on color is great. I mean, Oliver Locke, like Andrew Locke's dad's the commissioner of the league. Greg Olson I thought was good too. Right? Yeah. These guys are guys who know football. They've consulted with guys like Doug Flutie, Mark Tressman, like about how other leagues can influence this league to make the game safer and more exciting. And the pace of the game is good, you know? And that's the thing that a lot of the – a lot of uh, NFL fans complain about. Right? And there's a lot so, of good there's a lot of good football players out there that just can't crack NFL teams. Yeah. Right? So this is it just helps football players to have a have a job outside of college because there's so many guys who just don't make it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I like I hope it does well and I like I like the fact that it's not gimmicky. You know? The one thing that is somewhat kind of gimmicky, and it's a CFL thing too, is like the the coaches talking to the players, and it's all mic'd up and stuff like that. I think that that's okay, but it's okay in smaller doses. It doesn't need to be like a, a complete thing. I had a friend who sent me a uh, a tweet. Someone had said, uh, we should do something like this. The worst team in the NFL gets to play the best team in the, X- the XFL. And if someone loses or wins... They have to switch they leagues. They have to join leagues. How yeah. funny would that be? That'd be awesome. <laughs> I mean, that's never going to happen, but it would, yeah. that, like, that, would, that was hilarious. Yeah. I, I want to see this P.J. Walker kid for another week and see how he plays. Yeah. I, I was pretty impressed with him. Yeah. Uh, Caleb Kirby, where can we find you? At Curbman23 on Twitter. 
Yeah, and you can find us at Between the S on Twitter. You can also uh, email us at BetweenTheStammers at gmail.com, at Art Aronson on Twitter and all social media platforms. Um, I'm good. Feeling it? I'm feeling it. You're going to go home and get some sleep? Yeah. All right. Thanks.